Welcome to Blamo, a podcast with an exclamation point. I'm your host, Jeremy Kirkland, and my guest this week is John Moy. If you're not familiar with his work, John Moy is an extremely accomplished writer and voice of men's fashion. Along with Lawrence Schwassman and the team at Complex's Four Pens, which is now folded, he practically invented the witty, obnoxious writing style that you see people trying to emulate everywhere else on the web. He speaks the truth. He's not afraid to challenge the status quo, as we'll talk about. He's John Moy. Awesome. Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that you're on. Uh, basically, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of explain quick. Uh, actually, I won't even do it quick. But one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, other than the fact that you've been, you know, obviously one of my best friends for a long time. And uh, I think you've found an incredible way to kind of put yourself as this voice of reason and... Uh, like reason and, and, and history and knowledge of menswear specifically. I mean, you're a great writer, but, you know, from going from four pins to kind of writing stuff on your own, and even when you were doing cough, cough, getting beat like you stole something. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think like a lot of people even have probably read, which I think is really interesting. No? Yeah. E- I- right? Because that was like a long, like when you think about that, that was like, I mean, like 2009, right? Yeah. I mean, because we, we became buddies via... Before the, Twitter. Yeah, before <laughs> Twitter, because you, you told me to go to Capsule. Yeah, because I remember, like, this is definitely going to be self-serving, but I feel like I was the one who looked at Capsule's, like, admissions policy and saw that it just said press and you just needed, like, a card. And I remember, like, emailing a bunch of, like, dudes being like, wait, if we have business cards, can we go to these trade shows? And everyone sort of responded back, like, I guess so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember we all met at, like, that one in, oh, remember it was, like, ENK? Remember? R-I-P ENK? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was ENK. Remember? Yeah, we met at uh, the Ace Hotel. Yep. Do people still yeah. hang out at the Ace Hotel? I don't think so. Not like that. Like, I remember, I was like, oh, we're going to the Ace. This is cool. You know? Yeah. And I don't think so. They Maybe the, not. They had the photo booth. <laughs> the and, photo uh, booth and, like, that know, was like when, just the library desks. Yeah, I remember it was so cool because they had an old American flag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, Right, Man. and, like, the Breslin was, like, Poppington there. Yeah. Like, everyone was going there to get, like, breakfast. And yeah. stuff. We were like, we got this, guys. This place is so dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I want to get a little bit into your background before we get into, you know, this your writing and, and, and also your view on fashion and, and how things are coming along. So you are from Detroit, correct? Yeah, like I grew up in a like a little town like 25 minutes south of the city. All right. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, what was life like for you growing up? Are you? I know you're not an only child. You have a, you have a sister. I'm the oldest of two. Yeah, I have a little sister. She's two years younger than me. Um, uh, I lived on like a like a cul-de-sac, <laughs> like classic, like middle suburbia. America. Yeah, definitely. You know, like walked and rode my bike to school, like elementary school and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty. I think pretty pretty typical of like middle America. Uh, I went to. 
high school at like an all boys Catholic school, which is it was probably maybe not the most typical, I guess. Uh, was <laughs> it that, like a private school or? Yeah, private Catholic school uh, in the city. Uh, but I I will say like just like quickly on fashion, I think that's like when I first like started to really pay attention to clothes because they didn't have a uniform; it was a dress code. Mm. So it's just like certain parameters, like okay, like dress pants, collared shirt, tie, right, and like shoes. And so like you would just like try to bend rules, like nice shoes, right? Like <laughs> we always used to call them hard bottoms, but like I remember when I like first started hanging out with like menswear dudes, everyone was like, "Why do you call?" <laughs> like leather bottom shoes, hard bottoms. Um, oh, I remember that, Mr. Mort and and Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all those dudes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so like that was like the first sort of time where you're like trying to like play within like a certain set of rules, and I think like pay attention. And I think because it was like all boys, everyone was just trying to like dress all as wild as possible because it was just like a, a period when you're not trying to impress girls, really. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, you gotta look cool. <laughs> So you are similar in background to Trunzo in the fact that you went to law school too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you always yeah, did you always want what? to be a lawyer? No. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think everyone is always really surprised at how quickly I answer that. But um yeah, I think like where I went to undergrad, um, it was sort of everyone I knew was either going to graduate school or already had pretty cool jobs lined up and I sort of was like okay I don't really want to go to like an indefinite amount of grad school (laughs) Mm -hmm. right to get like a PhD or something and so I knew law school was like there was a terminal date like at most you can do it is five years right and so I knew but typically it's three so I was like at the end of three years even if I hate it there's like a fairly decent job that's in a way recession proof you know that I that I could always sort of fall back on right like it was like just something that worst case scenario I can just like suck it up right right and and do it and so (laughs) which isn't the best reason to spend thousands of dollars on in years of your life like (laughs) looking back like just suck it up and maybe take like a year to figure it out you know (laughs) But yeah, yeah, so I did that. But again, at the same time, like, I don't know if I hadn't gone to law school, I definitely wouldn't have started blogging or writing on the internet at all, really, or spending so much time probably on the internet. And right. Yeah, it's like weird to think about. But yes, yes, I did go to law school. <laughs> did, did you uh did you go to undergrad and law school at the same place or No, I went to undergrad at the University of Chicago and then uh, I went <laughs> and then I went to law school at Wayne State, which is here in Detroit. Nice. And yeah. your was any of this like from your parents and the only reason why I kind of like bring on this is I remember you told me you had this kind of like strong sort of family first Chinese upbringing and your, your father, uh, you know, is also, uh, practicing, uh, lawyer. And... Yeah, actually that's, what's interesting. My dad actually didn't go to law school. Oh, okay. yeah. It's, he worked at a law school. He's like a research librarian. And then when he was like pretty young, like right out of college, he started working at, uh, what's now known as it's like a appellate defender's office, so they do appeals for indigent, uh, so people who can't afford their own appeals mm. and stuff like that. 
and so he was the like researcher and trainer and sort of like project manager there and like helped start the program and then my mom went to law school um she went to law school at night uh she was like a biology teacher in high school and then went to law school at night and got her JD and kind of practiced a little bit but was already teaching and then met my dad and then then had kids and stuff so she's always kept her bar card and stuff but so yeah I mean I've always had like a strong legal tradition in the family like but um no like remarkably it was definitely I felt a lot of my own pressure, I think, because my parents were, like, oddly laid back about it. <laughs> and, right. like, definitely, academics were definitely, like, first, like, all the time, like, definitely a prototypical kid like that, like, firstborn, definitely went to, like, nerd camps during the summer, you know. What sort of nerd camps? Well, I thought, <laughs> you know, like, kids go to summer camp, and it's, like, bow and arrows, and swimming in a pond, and, like... yeah you know, weird shit goes down in the bunks or whatever. Like, <laughs> I definitely thought I experienced that, but it was like, I, I learned later as an adult that they were definitely like super nerd camps. Like, let's build Rube Goldberg machines <laughs> and like design our own model rockets and like, you know, like learn really basic programming, you know, in like 1993. And oh, that stuff. sounds incredible. Yeah, like looking back, you know, yeah, and yeah, it it definitely was, you know, and it exposed me to a lot as a kid. But and so there was definitely like a lot of like academic training. It was definitely very rigorous. <laughs> um and you know, the fact that, you know, my dad graduated high school I think when he was sixteen, like he skipped like two grades or something. My Child mom, prodigy. Yeah. Mr. I mean, Moore. yeah, kind of. And then my mom was definitely young for like you know, and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean there was a lot of history involved in all that but oddly enough they were very much like do whatever you want i mean i went to university of chicago which is really well known for its uh economics department like they've you know won like a ton of nobel prizes so it's like very clear if you're not really sure but you get in just like take some i didn't take one econ class (laughs) (laughs) and like my parents were cool and they were just like fine i was like yeah i'm gonna you know i concentrated in religious studies you know which isn't um, the most lucrative undergraduate degree you could pursue. Why did you choose religious studies? Uh, at the time, like my favorite professor uh, had helped start the program, and it was fairly new. And so um, you didn't choose it at the very beginning. You weren't just like, oh no, in. not at all. I had no clue going in. Like not at all. I was very uh, let's see. <laughs> right <laughs> but i think by the time they made me choose which i i don't know when did most i don't know like halfway through or something yeah like sophomore uh, year-ish i guess yeah yeah something like that uh i looked at everything i had taken and it was sort of like this combination of philosophy and history and a little bit of sociology and, and you're like oh these fit this adds up yeah this kind of and then like religious studies at the time at least at there was definitely like sort of like quote-unquote interdisciplinary Mm. um and so i could just make and because it was such a new program too there was only like a limited amount of classes so there was like a lot of cross-listing which opened up to like just taking a bunch of weird classes and like media aesthetics classes and stuff like that and so it's just like sort of like one of the the broadest categories i could find okay and then also he agreed to be my advisor which was really cool um because he didn't do that a lot at the time 
What was his name, if you don't mind? Uh, his name is Jay-Z Smith. He's pretty, like, famous at the school. He's, like, this a character. Like, he has, like, he always wears, like, bucket hats. And he has, like, this really nice, like, like carved wooden cane. And, like, oh, that's right. Cigarettes. You put a photo up of him once. Yeah, he definitely was, like, a, a huge impact on my life, my life, for sure. That guy is awesome. He's, and your style. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking back now, yes. Like, bucket hats and, like, tweed jackets and, like, just sort of being irascible and really smart um, <laughs> and yeah and so yeah i used to just like hang out in his office and we would talk about you know like weird german philosophers and he's like a specialist in sort of like mesopotamian myths and stuff like that and so it's like the gilgamesh epic and like cuneiform and like all of that so yeah i mean it, nice. yeah. so did you go see like what is it hammurabi's code or in Paris? Yeah. No, I mean, I have, no, I've never been to like Paris or anything like that. But um, yeah, I definitely looked at stuff like that. Uh, cool pictures of it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, that's, that's what I did in undergrad was, yeah, read about sort of obscure religions and take like art history classes on the side. <laughs> so John Moy is hanging out in Detroit. He goes yes. to, and this is, well, you know, law school, and then all of a sudden you're just like, what happened with, like, you getting the itching to start maybe communicating a little bit more on on fashion and just kind of, like, going out there? Like, what, what how did getting beat like you stole something start? And okay. even the name. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So the name is not, it's, it's not as cool, I guess, as it comes across. No, but, it's definitely uh, cool. So in college... Uh, so this this is a nice time. Um, my roommate, uh, one of my roommates and I, uh, you know how like we scammed like the, we tipped the cable installer, and so he's like, I'll give you. Well, we thought we were like tipping him to give us like all these movie channels, but really what he gave us was like every coast of HBO. So it was like the East, West, just different broadcasts of like the same movies. And like at one point, that movie Remember the Titans was on, like literally at any given point we could watch it and like Denzel yeah man and it's a classic <laughs> I fucking love that movie like it's I definitely I, I fucking love that movie um yo there's so many like <laughs> breakout performances Ryan Gosling young Ryan Gosling's in that yeah you know? um anyway <laughs> um, no, it's cool man it's a great but so film. There, there's a scene where they take out Ryan Gosling because he's getting torched he's a cornerback and they put in a black kid and the, you know, the white kids, uh, parents go crazy. And the, the, uh, young Hayden Panettiere's line is, what are you complaining about? He's getting be like, he stole something. And I remember my roommate and I just thought that was hilarious. And so then anytime we played video games or wherever, anything, we would just say that. And, um, I always just thought it was really funny. And then, yeah, cut to law school like end of my second year and I had already taken um two semesters off at this point okay. uh, <laughs> a little bit so, time to figure things so, out so you know yeah writing <laughs> was on the wall that maybe this wasn't gonna work out but and so I knew like okay what's this common thread and I liked writing I always you know I liked writing I like okay so I need to have samples if I'm going to write for anything and for so, sure what's the quickest way to have like basically write about anything, like an excuse to write about anything that I like, that I know a little bit about. 
um, and then to have sort of a place to put it, right? And so I was like, oh, well, okay, so what do you do? And then I sort of discovered like lifestyle blogs, I guess, like, you know, just going on the internet, like looking how other people did it. Was it like and, Hype Beast or something that you saw first or? No, it was actually, I think it was like women's like personal style blogs. Like, I think I literally Googled like fashion writing, <laughs> you okay. know? Yeah. You know, and like personal writing, I think, or something like that. And I think at the time, you know, like around, yeah, I don't know, the late to like the first decade, the end of the first decade of the 2000s, I think like you couldn't go on the Internet and look at fashion and not look at sort of women's style blogs at the yeah. time. You I would know, definitely so like, say women's style blogs were the first for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And also like you saw how quickly um, – like certain templates were used and like disseminated, you know, Live one big would do it and then boom, like everyone would get like that. Yeah. And so I think like the first big blog that I really liked was like called Lulu and your mom, <laughs> which is, is it still around? Um, she, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Uh, she ended up like the woman behind it. I think she has like a small clothing line now and everything, well, but it was definitely her. like pictures of her outfits and then just stuff she would write. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, this is cool. And then I think I found like, yeah, like Secret Forts. Like this is kind of like all before before Hypebeast was really big, I feel This like. was the freshman class, Secret Forts, all continuously, like all plateau. Yeah. yeah, this is, yeah, you know, uh, Jake Davis. Yep. You know, um, uh, like all that stuff, uh, A Time to Get, you remember? Like, remember A Time to Get? Like, that one was like, oh, oh this is so fucking ill. Like, he was the first dude who was, like, had, like, photo apps. Yeah, he did, like, iPhone. the J.J. Jound, like, thing yeah. first, right? Or was J.J. Jound first? No, like, they were, like, coexistent. Like, that was the thing. All of this, like, sort of happened at the same time. Yeah, right. No, you're right. And so, like... This is like, before was everyone was all into original Tumblr. photography, though. Like, it was, like, all stuff he took. Yeah. Um... And it was like Cars and like Steve McQueen and like like random Italian movies and like <laughs> you know and like screenshots. Remember yeah. like just TV stills and it was like all of these things. And you're like, oh, okay, this is like stuff we all kind of do, like yeah. inherently, right? And so then it was like, okay, I'll just start doing this, and it's like a fun excuse anyway. I fucking hate what i'm doing anyway right was this right out you were out of law school at the time no or? still in it okay i had like i had basically like it wasn't like i had a full academic year of credits to finish but i had like a full academic year to finish them mm. and so like, drawing it out doing like i think i'm the only person at least that i had talked to in my section that was doing like independent studies in law school <laughs> <laughs> you know so I, like i took like you know, philosophy of law, like jurisprudence, and then I was working on independent, like, yeah, anyway. Um, so, like, just clearly, like, wasn't taking, like, you know, torts or secure transactions. Like, I mean, you have to take those classes, but I wasn't taking anything beyond what they made me in terms of preparing you for, like, a practical um, <laughs> right. career in law. And so, at the same time, I'm doing this, in, like, writing, and then I was like, oh, man, what are you going to call it? Because I was like, well, you can't just, like, start it with nothing so i had like a backlog of like stuff right that's right you gotta you gotta have some gear no one you can't have two fresh can't fingers. fucking have two bangers and nothing like i don't care like Very that's true. indicative of nothing and so you gotta have like 
a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I had it, and I'm like, fuck, what are you going to call it? And it's just like, at the same time, and this is super embarrassing, I don't think I've ever admitted this to anyone, and now I'm going to admit it on the podcast, but Vice had just, like, kind of was, like, making the transition to digital, right? And they had this contest where it was, like, design your own, you basically become your own Vice editor, and they give you, like, this template, and you, but you upload your own pictures, and they give you, like, Assi- they gave you like assignments like okay review these songs and it was like an mp3 and like whatever and they had like the do's and don'ts or whatever that at the time was sort of like yeah vice, vice do's and don'ts were huge right and so it was like yeah. they gave you the photos do your own do's and don'ts whatever and so I, they did it and it was like okay you have to title it and it was like i don't even know if i titled it getting beat like you stole something or it was like one of the article titles or whatever but anyway that ended up like I didn't win the contest, but I did well enough that I like won a little bit of money and like a for real, yeah, like a subscription to the magazine because it like made like editor's choice or something. Oh, and so dude, I was like secretly juiced, but like told no one because it's like okay, this doesn't really mean anything. And then, but that kind of like gassed me up, and I was like, okay, I'll just call it getting be like you stole something that's funny, like it's kind of whatever. And that's how it started. And so I started blogging while I was finishing law school so that I could have something to apply for jobs, like just like really basic. Like writing samples. You know. Yeah, basically. And then at that time, like sort of like as I was finishing law school, it kind of, I don't know, I think it wasn't ever like that popular of a blog, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard to explain, but. You were there, sort of, so you kind of understand, like... What was the content, too, at the time? I mean, there were people whom I won't name names, but they, you know, they had a blog that might have appeared bigger, but it was just because they did posts every day. Like, there was a blogger who would tweet... This is, you know, like, right as people are starting to use Twitter, he would tweet links out. I mean, I guess it was good marketing. I don't know. But he would tweet twinks tweet links out in the morning and in the afternoon and the evening and then he would always be like for the morning crowd for the evening crowd and Which i remember like really funny because now there's like social media managers who like literally do that yeah and well and even then stuff. like the, all the sm- social media apps have kind of like outsmarted that like if you go to instagram the first photo you see you know is not the most recent it's what right. they think you're going to engage the most on you know so it's just like it was just funny. Everyone was trying to find this way to game the system. And so there were other blogs out there at the time, but yours was one that like, I remember you were talking about engineered garments and it wasn't just like the basic denim shirt that all the Americana workwear dudes were. It was, there was like more to it and you know, and you had like the cool hats and this stuff. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I got to meet this guy. And I know cause to kind of like push the story along, like fast forward, we meet yeah, and you, me and Lawrence, at the time, me and Lawrence, shout out Larry, um, was yeah. at, yeah, I think he was, no, he had graduated from Wake Forest, but he, I think he was still living in like North Carolina. Definitely living in North Carolina, first job out of college. Right. Definitely like young Lawrence. Like think about if you even have met Lawrence now as like, I would say is like adult Lawrence. Because he was young, like, right? Like early, like 23, 23. 24 maybe maybe 23 yeah i know it had to have been younger than that because that was like how yeah old i was because he was like yeah definitely young go hard 
Yeah. Because I was like super old at the time and I had like just finished law school. So I was like 25. <laughs> yeah. I remember you're like, man, I'm, I'm really old. And I was like, this guy isn't old. <laughs> but yeah, we all met at a trade show. Yeah. And that was, yeah. I mean, that was kind of, I feel like not really the birth of a, like a specific type of movement, but it was definitely like right around the time as, you know, hashtag menswear was starting to pick up and, you know, where it was cool to wear suits and we were all into the Italian sort of look and the American Italian, you know, it was, bef- it was basically when like streetwear was kind of, had kind of faded away and there wasn't really a, that bubble had burst. And like, yeah. I think that it's really important to note that like financially, I think that bubble had burst. And so there was sort of like a, like a disdain for mm-hmm. that like mark that that level of like of a bubble which is sort of ironic when you think like they just went from like we all just went from collecting sneakers and stuff to collecting like english and italian shoes yeah. you know but it was still the same sort of like fetishization of like an object right yeah but we were all brainwashed by the whole buy less but buy better you know because it I was mean, like right after the <laughs> um right after the uh what the the financial crisis and so you know for some reason we were all like yeah no 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 we should be spending this much money on stuff which is good but like yeah i mean i think we had we were we like yeah i mean i think definitely it was all about the process too it was like being learning how everything was made and so then it was like very easy to just it's just like food if you know how well that cow was taken care of i mean you're gonna justify paying a lot for its steak right for sure (laughs) and it's the same thing with like a shoe if i know that you know a sweet little italian lady you know (laughs) you know put this fucking aglet on my shoe yeah oh i mean 450 is a deal oh let's get the backpack (laughs) oh come on get that vat He's going to hook it up on customs. You know I'm not going to have to pay that. Come on. Shout out to Trey Bien Shop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely, you know. Um, yeah, it was strange. It, that it was heady time. I think everything was moving really quickly. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I feel, yeah, it was like we went from like 60, 40 parkas and Danners um, very quickly to, uh, yeah, just the nicest seats I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like, fast forward to that, we're roaming around Capsule and looking at all these things that were like, oh, this is so incredible. And I think, I don't know, maybe it was you that you were like, oh, we should like make a store and sell this. Because at, at the time you were like, you had told me that you uh, and your dad had been collecting vintage stuff, you know, like yeah. old M65 jackets. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's try to do it. And I think Lawrence was around at the time, too. And obviously, you know, maybe it was just because he was a little bit younger than us or that he was, like, so much more wildly successful than any of us. <laughs> that, that, you know, when he came back around to us roaming or something, you know, when we were kind of, like, kicking around the idea of doing something, he was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember we had talked to we had we were like talking to vendors and something like i wonder if they do like a personal order yeah like i wonder how many we would have to do to get a personal order and then i remember like shout out to mark mcnary he was like oh you could do that or you could just try and sell some shoes 
And we are like, huh, wait. And then he was like, yeah. And he kind of was like, this is what the minimums were, X amount, whatever. They basically helped us with the math, like, to see what it would be. And I remember, yeah, we took it back to Lawrence, who had to fly back to North Carolina because of his job. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, 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 bro. Cool. Let's do it. Just let me know how much. And, like, we Skype later. I'll never forget Skyping him in your apartment in Harlem. Oh, yeah. Remember? And we were going over, like, the color of the shoe. Yeah. That was basically, yeah, it went from trade show cut to Skyping <laughs> Lawrence in North Carolina, you know, in North Carolina, going over, like, the color of suede very yeah. quickly. Was, <laughs> it's funny, too, because we, you know, I've obviously, all of us have been around a little bit longer now in or about this industry, and you see how mathematical people go about, you know, choosing colors swatches you know designs and i think all like the first run of the mill collection came together in like maybe two minutes and i was like oh dude fuck yeah like a green you know a green <laughs> suede uh long wing it'd just be like so dope like we gotta have that and yeah. we could do it and we were like yeah that would be kind of cool and that like lawrence he's he's always that guy fuck, i wish he was here but like he was always that guy who would just like give you that final push to where he's a dream seller man he is a dream (laughs) seller that if you ever need to just be like should i do this or not and you have like let's say you need four parts for success and you have like one and a half to two of them and you just like be like lawrence what do you think he will dream sell you on that man yeah yeah. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> no, you're exactly right. He's like, no, we got this. This is it. It's, okay, we're doing we're doing the green suede shoe. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. And you know, thanks to McNary, he totally you know was fine with these. You know, basically at the time, like young kids. You know, we're all pooling our money yep. together to put this order. And then next thing you know, I'm still working in the music industry at you know this label, and <laughs> uh, there's like packages arriving to my work and then there was other packages arriving to you yeah you know and so they're like getting split across and and that was kind of fun because then you know lawrence is tweeting and and writing all this stuff and like making connections with like all these people at gq whom he was friends with all of a sudden (laughs) yeah it was yeah i remember like (laughs) yeah i just think i remember realizing that it wasn't just like the three of us emailing each other yeah i don't know yeah i think when we started getting invoices and stuff yeah i just (laughs) well you set up all the business in i mean that was like you had done like the llc that's which is how you know we were very ill prepared i think that's like how you know um all you need is a dream and a dream seller (laughs) and fuck it you know And and a little bit of like i don't really like this job and you know you i think we because we are all at our i guess quote unquote day jobs yep um all just still doing it i remember i'll never forget uh lawrence lamenting that his desk moved and so that is like we were lamenting about how our desks you could our bosses could see our screens now oh, and so we yeah. couldn't like <laughs> be on the internet blog all day. he would do all the all day. yeah me too yeah like just all day because that's that was like quote unquote the advantage was that we hated our jobs so yeah um yeah and yeah so yeah pretty soon we were doing that and uh i don't even remember how we ended up in florence Um, we you were like you're (laughs) the smart guy who reads the fine print and 
you know, I think we had always joked about going to, to pity and I know it's PT and I said it earlier, but I always say pity. Um, Oh, and, we def and just for the record, we definitely called it pity. I oh, mean, yeah. we did never, we never even knew. I never knew how to pronounce that fucking word until I got to Italy, which is <laughs> yes, I know. I'm, I, I, I'm admitting that now. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I had no fucking clue. I still don't know how to pronounce a lot of those beautiful Italian soup. I mean, it's names. like tomato, tomato, like whatever. People got the picture. It, I mean, at fine. the time, it was still mis- like I didn't realize that's where Tommy Tan was. <laughs> when he got those pictures, you know what I mean? Like when you first saw them, how would I know that that concrete, like half wall? Oh yeah, is in the infamous the fortress. Wall. You know, like that. You know where everyone eats gelato and everything. Like I had no, I just thought I knew it was in Europe, obviously, yeah. but I didn't know that. Oh, it's, it's this trade show until very. Yeah, I mean very. This is this is capsule for for real adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- yes. Yeah, this is like Comic Con and a trade show, and just everything all. So this is like twenty. This is early twenty twelve, right? Yeah, post believe January. It had like literally clicked over. Yeah, right. And we get out there, and uh, because you were like, oh, you know, we have this money, and it wasn't a lot, but it was basically enough that it could help like pay for our flights you know, out yeah. there. And, and basically the goal was not just to like have a vacation, but it was like to try to like make these next business steps of whatever that was, even though it turned into a vacation. I mean, I think that's how we rationalize it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we're like, yeah. Um, I'll, it's just like when you take a book on the plane and you're like, I'll fucking read like three chapters of this book. It's going to be great. And nope. you just get a couple less wine and watch like, she's all that 15 fucking times, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> she's all that. <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, we were definitely very, I think you and I for sure were very serious about it. Yeah. Um, I was I definitely trying to be, comically, I had a little notebook. I think I was comically serious about it looking back. Um, no, I mean, just re- knowing how like just grand those expectations were trying to wrangle five dudes under 30. Well, that in was Europe for like yeah. the first time. And that know? was right <laughs> when Airbnb launched because you booked. I still have, I have like bad Airbnb credit because of that. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot the guy got pissed. It was either because of like, because. <laughs> Because Lawrence left it. What, what did we do? We either left the door open or it smelled like smoke. I don't. Well, uh, both. well no, both. Uh, we uh, <laughs> left the door open and unlocked. Like, just like fucking wide open. The street door. There's like two doors. Yeah. And so we left that open, left all the lights on. And he was very concerned about the lights. I remember we had to pay the electric bill anyway, you know, like just to just to rent the place. I remember. And so. Yeah. We left all the lights on, and then yeah, they had. <laughs> I remember, unfortunately, they had advertised how beautiful like the windows were, and they opened they out into the piazza. Santa Croce, yeah, yeah. Santa Croce was across the street, looking at this beautiful, you know, church, cathedral, and of course, hey, come on over because it was giant. I mean, it's still one of the nicest apartments I've ever stayed at. Yeah, um, that became the hangout of that became else the, that we met it, and there. because it was you know, like 10 minutes away from where the trade show was too. And also the only person who spoke any Italian was staying on our floor. Yeah. So that's also shout out to Zeph. Shout out to Zeph for leaving toast in a toaster oven and 
uh, smoking out the kitchen there. <laughs> um, He's like Ryan the temp on the office. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that, but shout out to him because I couldn't have ordered that any delicious pistachio gelato without him. Yeah, it's true. He would like kind of go through and he'd be like, oh, this guy says, you know, he likes yeah, this or go here, or turn this way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then also, yes, there was just a bunch of fucking dudes hanging out the window smoking cigarettes. Yep. I kept lighting that incense to try to hide it. I was like, you guys, don't smoke. I'm like the nervous mom. I'm like, don't, then, don't smoke. But shout out to that balcony because that is when I heard uh, Brian Trenzo's dream of leaving lost, uh, his legal career and opening a store. Yep. So, yeah, shout out to some weird Italian version of like Camel Lights and Brian <laughs> Trenzo. <laughs> and tons of Negronis in the winter. Yeah, Negronis in the winter. I remember um, Lawrence would get there and be like, yo, let's get a Negroni, like, now. And I'll never forget, also, <laughs> yeah, Lawrence being like, because I think the Giants were playing in some, I don't know, playoff or something. And so ordering, like, asking, having him have Zeph ask to put the game on and then ordering <laughs> Negronis in, like, fucking January. And uh, just just everyone looking at us like, yep, they're dressed nicely, but they are <laughs> just horrible people. <laughs> Yeah, that was us. <laughs> but it was amazing. And I think, yeah, I, I will say, I think towards the end of it, I realized, like, oh, this is probably not going to happen again, again quite like this. Also, shout out to getting gelato and missing uh, Kanye West's only appearance at Pity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will never live that down. Oh. I don't think ever. That was not the best. I remember we were like, fuck this, man. I'm so tired. Let's go get some carbonara and gelato. We fucking leave, and then I remember we come back, and they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did you see it? We're yeah, like, Tommy oh was like, oh, yeah, Kanye was just here. That was when he was wearing the, the um, like, Bottega, like, Chelsea-type shoes, whatever, in the white dinner coat look. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this was, yeah. And that gelato was good, and the yeah. carbonate was fucking delicious. I don't regret that at all. It's fine. Maybe we'll meet him someday and we can be like, hey, we I, almost It's saw my you. sliding doors moment. I believe, like, there's a few of those. Like, had I been there, though, I would definitely be a creative director at Donda. So. You're probably right. I'm I just going to so. say that. They, at least you'd be writing. Flexed in run of the mill samples, just wild, <laughs> dumb colored single monks. Get at me if you need some. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we did, we kept doing ROTM and we, you know, I, we won't get too much into the details, at least not without Larry. And then we eventually kind of slowed down. But this is where, to me, I think, like, I really, really, like, started to understand more of your point of view and in regards to how you looked at the rest of the fashion business. Because John Moy in person, like this, is slightly different to John Moy writing in the best possible way because you like have a very you know keen ability to like cut through bullshit and sound really intelligent but as soon as someone like while they're reading it gets ready to judge you you like make some like total joke and like realign with your reader (laughs) it's really good yeah i mean i think um yeah i think that was sort of the always the approach particularly with four pins um i think yeah my the only whenever i would get bummed out about four pins or something i would always think it was more uh by fault as the writer i i think sometimes people didn't realize is 
much of it was sort of self-aware or I was trying to be self-aware and sort of be a self-parody in a way. Like it was sort of talking about the same things that everyone in menswear was sort of talking about in like, but also talking about the way they talked about it. Well, yeah. If that makes sense. No, I mean, I think that was the gist of it too, because like, you know, fast forward Lawrence, you know, gets asked to kind of like make his own site. And I remember he was telling me about this because you, you know, we're still living in Detroit. Um, and he's like, yeah, I got to get like another writer. And I remember the first thing he says, like, oh yeah, it's definitely going to be Moy. He's like, I don't know what my budget is going to be, but I'm basically want to spend every bit of it on Moy. And it was like, yeah, it made perfect <laughs> sense because, you know, you'd written these long. Yeah. Of- at the time that, yeah. Tumblr was, po- was like the, the, platform du jour and i think um at the time like then yeah not to go too back into i guess like pre-hashtag menswear but the the blog was like always sort of like these it was sort of and i always thought it was funny it was sort of like our attempts at professional voices and so it was never like a that personal of a writing voice i think on like the wordpress sites and everything and then all of a sudden like tumblr pops up and it was like, oh, you can like swear and use all caps and yeah. just kind of like People do whatever long you want. Form fast. Yeah, and then yeah, so yeah, on Tumblr, yeah, I would write really long rants. And again, I was at work and sort of bored. And I think it, you know, it's easy to be sort of like funny and incisive when, and sort of like pick things apart when you're, you know, you're just sort of like bummed at work or bummed at life. You know, it's just sort of easy to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just have the time. You know, yeah. have the time to talk about like minute differences in the way you describe shoes or something. And yeah, I think it like picked off. And then, you know, I would write you. I think I would write you and Lawrence just because we were so used to emailing back and forth about the mill stuff, um, inventing just about like whatever. long screeds of stuff we couldn't write just because of where you know who we knew and stuff like that <laughs> and yeah. you know just like stuff you know yeah and it would be about random stuff and I think like I think what surprised us was with run of the mill was that it sort of led to more opportunities than like particularly in the retail business yeah you know with it you know and I think that's sort of why that slowed down and yeah Lawrence I remember Lawrence talking about this site and then I was selling vintage and uh, you were just I think, humming along. <laughs> I think you were just like leaving beggars. Maybe. You no, know, you started styling. You were like styling. Oh, and like yeah, that was that like was right when up. I started working with Brad. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And we were like talking about everything because we were super juiced about that Madden commercial because it's a cutaway collar. Oh, yeah. Because we, we, yeah. Because he's Rudd wearing the Oxford uh, cutaway collar. Yeah. I was like, you guys, this is such a per-. And this is when, every, yeah. right when Inception came out and everyone kept trying to find ways to use the word Incept. Lawrence yep. was like, oh, this is perfect. He's like, Jeremy's going to dress these dudes for these commercials yep. and stuff. And such then we'll be like, yo, P.S. It's R.O.T.M. <laughs> you know you have a coke dream and then like a like a small like retail something when you when you try and have like um like promotional uh like budgets like yeah. when you're like okay we'll make like two two extra ones to give away and like that's really gonna fucking do it yeah like like this 33 second commercial we're gonna kill it yeah. guys i remember like at, I remember at one point, um, I think someone was supposed to wear the double monks on like Colbert Report or something, oh, and we yeah. and we were just like, and it didn't happen. And I remember just being crestfallen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah. So like 
that had we had ended up like all sort of got like all these and like for me like yeah i was able to start selling more vintage from that and um shipping was a lot easier once you figure that out um <laughs> and so i was doing that and yeah and i remember lawrence calling me like two months after he had the four pins had started and typical lawrence fashion calls me the reception is terrible and he's like i'm on my way to floor like the like the airport i have like 10 minutes before i hit a tunnel do you want to write for this site and i was like uh yeah sure whatever and he's like all right give me a bunch of samples so that when i get because i have to file them you know while i'm still in while i'm in italy and uh so i sent him like 30 samples i'm not kidding and uh damn yeah, because I was just like, well, what's the voice? And he's like, well, that you know, we're gonna work on it, and that's where you know all this comes in. And so, I just saw which ones he was publishing, and was like, okay, these are the ones. Da, 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 da. And if you look back, they're they're still pretty. The the early ones are definitely a little stayed and a, and a little safer, I think. And he just kept saying like, no, 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 more like this one, or you know, just be yourself or whatever. Don't worry about it. And yeah. then. Yeah, and so it just sort of became how I would talk to you guys, really. Like a hyper, hyper <laughs> goofy version of like how we would talk. You know? Yeah. And sort of how I, I was seeing guys talk to each other on Twitter and when I would All come caps. hang out. You know, just like, yeah, and like little things like that and just sort of, just sort of how it's really nothing about it has ever changed since when we were talking about like. I don't know, fucking pogs or Pokemon, yeah, or skateboarding. It's it's the same sort of sense of bravado, and you need to know a lot about, like, you know, why do you need to know a lot about skateboarding to be good at it, or like, you know, or like what, you know, like I don't need to know the label, you know, like you have to know a lot about something to have good style, and yeah, yeah, I thought there wasn't a lot of. Uh, humor in it i think a lot at the time when you look at how it was before four pins there wasn't a lot of humor in a lot of the copy like stores definitely you know oh, were i totally were agree dry. yeah and so i think i don't i mean you know lawrence and i, I don't think we could do anything seriously i mean i think when you <laughs> i think four pins i didn't know this but i I only found out about this by reading like the obituaries everyone wrote for the site that it was supposed to be a bit more serious and it was like supposed to sort of be complexes, you know, like high fashion sort of they're going to do editorials and, you know, very in-depth pieces and stuff. And I, <laughs> I think when you let Lawrence and I do anything, it's just going to devolve into like swearing and jokes, you yeah. know? But and, it turned into something a lot better and like – I mean you said it yourself and like you started writing on how everyone else was talking, right? Like you guys basically really just started to mirror more of what – I don't want to say youth culture. That's so overused. But like what us as you know the younger youth and you know young adults – really viewed the industry and you know i think that's where like it brings me to a different point in which some of the stuff you were writing because one of the great things that you were doing were you would call brands on their bullshit and you were allowed to do it on a on a very large platform you know yeah i mean that was wild like i you know i still you know shout out to complex shout out to all the the editors there above us in who were really in charge of everything for letting me keep my job 
for as long as we did. And yeah, for really having wild titles too, you know, like I remember i there's like Kenneth Cole's dickhead. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Mr. Freedom is a fucking racist, you know, like just wild ones that, you know, you could never write anywhere. You still couldn't. And maybe looking back, shouldn't even, you know, like that's a pretty wild URL, but, um, yeah, but it, it was, was true. Cool. I mean, I think I think you weren't yeah, making I, it up. You know, yeah, and to their credit, I think that's sort of what made it hard to advertise on Four Pins was that uh, definitely the language we use. Uh, a lot know, of F-bombs. A lot, of, a lot of F-bombs, a lot of casual drug references, you know, recreational drug use references. That's not the best, um, you know, for selling cars and stuff, I guess. I don't, you know, um, acts and stuff is not really trying to like promote <laughs> like you know just a, a flurry of cocaine ever. euphemisms you know <laughs> yeah um but you know and so yeah i'm sure it was tough to get advertisers and stuff for that and the, you know the comment section was wild um but yeah i think uh to lawrence's credit he, I, you know i would be like i would email him something like like oh man did you fucking read that and he'd be like well you should write something about it and yeah. I think I normally wouldn't. And um, he'd publish it, you know, and I'd be like, <laughs> oh, whoa, okay. Uh, you know, I thought there'd be like a back and forth. I'd be like, oh, what, what needs to be edited? You know, we need to changes. And he'd be like, no, that's good. I published it. You know, like <clears throat> everything really, a lot of that was just sort of me going back and forth with him. Like, what do you think? We'll just write it. Well, how did the Shinoa piece happen? Was it like that? Um. No, uh, I was, I remember I was like up north. I was in like northern Michigan, like super far north, like upper peninsula in the middle of winter. And I had read a couple of pieces that were like really sort of fawning over the company. And then I read uh, John Karamaka's piece. He did like a critical shopper piece, which was was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it was basically like, you know, critical. And it makes the same largely the same points I do but in like a more professional manner and then I read that and then there was like a few things I don't I don't really remember I had read it and I think I was just like up north and kind of like cabin fever it was really cold uh and so I yeah I emailed um uh shout out to Jake Wolf he was the like assistant editor I don't know what associate editor I'm not sure uh and I think I emailed him like hey I was thinking about writing this thing about Shinola but it's not going to be you know, nice. It's definitely like an op-ed or whatever. And he's like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. And then I, I think I sent it to both him and Lawrence and I wrote it really quickly. And I thought again, like, okay, well, just like, you know, let me know, uh, the changes and stuff we need to make. And there was like a few edits. And then the next thing I know, it's like up, but you know, I was like in Northern Michigan, like kind of on vacation. So I just kind of like sent it off to him and I was like, whew, I got my like long, piece done you know right. or whatever i'm good like now i can go what i don't know chill out yeah just relax and so then i like came back home and it like had blown up and so like i don't think we thought it would get any more traction than the fake like the fan fiction things i had been doing about like architectural digests of like designers homes you know like <laughs> i don't i don't think like because those were doing pretty well you know like yeah for us like i you know and i was like oh, i'll just write about kanye's apartment this is fun. And so I was like, yeah, it's going to be like the same thing. I don't think, I think that was the best thing about 
not living in New York and not being around like where people really read four pins. Yeah. Was, I just was like, didn't really think about it. I could just like, I just shot it off. And like, that was like the first piece that ever sort of like came back to, to Detroit or Michigan, you know, like really knowing I ne- like I could say I wrote for four pins and they'd be like, okay, cool. You know? Well, yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar that are listening to this, to the article, uh, John wrote, well, I'll let you explain it. You want to explain the summary of that article and why it, you know, had such a ripple effect? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think at the time Shinola was still pretty new. Like, I think they had only been around for like maybe like a year or two. They were the D- Detroit made, you know, their big thing was yeah, they, they capitalized on watches. Yeah. But built in Detroit. Yes. And so I sort of. Which I still regret because I think, like, rhetorically, I think I could have done it better. Like, I don't have that big a problem with it being sort of, like, assembled rather than manufactured here. But it was sort of to be, like, even everything is marketing. (laughs) You know, but my, you know, like, that was, like, the thing is, like, I don't really care. But, like, it's just, like, another facade thing, sort of. Um, But, yeah, so I just sort of wrote about how their marketing was pretty heavy-handed in it. I think, like... The, the problem with that initial marketing and what the sort of piece was about, I hope, was um, this sort of like reinforces uh, like false positives about gentrification um, and mm. sort of like discovering these like, oh, wow, look, like, look how awesome Detroit is. Like, it's not what you've heard, which is a weird way of marketing anything, you know, like, oh, look people are people, you know, (laughs) you know, people have culture here and, and like, you just can't deny the fact that Detroit is like 80% African-American, you know, it's like, so you're talking about black people when you're like surprised that Detroit has culture, you know, still in the face of like bankruptcy or whatever, you know, and that was always really weird. Like a quote I want to read is you said, Shinola is using my city as its shill, pushing a manufactured, outdated, and unrealistic ideal of America. And that like really sums a lot of it up. Is like they – and I think what, what captured why you know, why it resonated so well is because you are you – know, you're a guy who lives in Detroit and you were like, yo, look, you, there's so much other stuff that's tough and rough that's happening here. And basically this, you know, this rich guy from Texas more or less is coming over and like giving this sort of falsehood that he's doing all this good stuff, even though they they have done some good. But he's, you know, they're doing all this good stuff and they're like capitalizing on all this, you know, labor of Detroit. Yeah, Yeah, it's just strange. Like there's not very many sort of quote unquote luxury brands, which is what I think they've positioned themselves at least or tried to position themselves in the market as Mm -hmm. that that market their workers as much as they do like market treating their workers well like you don't get credit for paying factory workers a living wage it's like okay <laughs> like, that's not a reason to pay for your watch you know yeah i mean i i understand that yes it is intellectually you know obviously there's a lot of brands that don't do that or whatever but in terms of a marketing standpoint and also like when that piece came out that was sort of their that was their defense was sort of like, oh, you don't want us to give 300 people jobs or, you know, like on like it blew up on Reddit, which is like the worst because like that's how everything blows up like 
big. I feel What's like true like that, organic stuff is is Reddit because everyone is, yeah, is on everyone's yeah. reading that. You know, like fa- that. You know, then it's on Facebook, mm-hmm. right? It's like Reddit to Facebook, you're fucked. Like everyone is going to be in your like unfiltered messages for like a month. Um, and so yeah, and then like the, their social media manager's response and everything was sort of sort of like, oh yeah, but I have like coworkers who've bought their first home or like you know all this all of these great stories, which is like, I mean, of course I'm not going to argue against that, but that's, you know, if, if they're your defense to any sort of bad press and they're also your marketing, like they should be making, you know, th- you know, as much as your ad, you know, executives are, or your, you know, PR people are, because they're like the heart and soul of literally everything. Not only do they build everything, but they're the only way you can sell it. Yeah. And so they're just like sort of marketing black bodies, Black, they're marketing black labor and black bodies and faces and culture in a way, but then we'll like pay Bruce Weber to come in and take photos or like have <laughs> Carolyn Murphy come in and pose with it, which is, you know, like you've just spent like, you know, a million dollars telling everyone about how dope this city is within or this culture is within the city. And then you bring it like you can't find a photographer. Yeah, you, know, you, can't, you can't find, find a Detroit model, photographer. Yeah. You know, you can't find model. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that was sort of the problem with that you know and i think what is it like four or five years later um you wrote it in 09 no sorry not 09 2014 oh yeah oh it's only two years it feels way longer than that but yeah you know and yeah everyone's it sort of became the i think here it's like sort of the the what everyone cites is like the voice against it or whatever, which is hilarious that four pins is in like Shinola's Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the good thing is, you know, rest in peace, four pins. It, it did, you know, stop, but, um, all that and stuff think, is in, in complex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, well, it's archived on complex. Yes. You know? Yes, you can still see it at Complex. Yeah. But yeah, and like I think, you know, yeah, it was cool that Lawrence had the foresight to sort of pair the everyday sort of humor and goofiness and self-awareness with like, you know, a few posts like that every once in a while. I mean, he let me post, you know, the thing on depression and... Which was incredible. Uh, which again was, I remember just like sort of firing it off and not thinking anything about it. And then like... Only really until I like came to uh, New York for something did I realize like oh man people are reading that only because like I would have like random people at like outside I don't know like Green Fingers or like Carson Street be like man I can't believe you told the whole internet that you cried while a Drake song was in the background and I'm like oh I fucking forgot that people read this site like <laughs> you know like and I think not living there and having Lawrence be that filter for a lot of it like a lot of the feedback really helps sort of me just think of four pins as like a, a weird extension of like a blog or an email, you know? But I would, I mean, I, hearing that, I think that there's also a lot of people who read that stuff and I would say it really helped. I mean, I, for me, it did. I think, you know, I've, you know, I've struggled with anxiety and depression for many years and, you know, not to make this about me at all, but, th- you know, reading that and kind of, you know, you you feel validated and uh, not so much validated, but like you feel like you're going to be okay when you know that other people deal with this stuff too. 
And especially when like, you know, you talked about it. Yeah. To a lot of people in a big audience. And so, yeah, maybe some ring ding outside of Carson street. Who's, you know, a bing bong. Oh no. I mean, I think they mean it like, you know, in a very nice and complimentary way. I mean, I think that there's, Sort of, sort of in a in a uh, maybe a shock broy way. It's sort of like, oh man, that's you know, I wouldn't do that, but it someone needs to, you know. And yeah. I think like I think, but you know, and for and I think for Lawrence and I, I don't want to speak for him, but I think for me, like that was sort of always the charm of four pins and the internet in general. I think is like as someone who's just old enough to know, I have you know to go through like a big chunk of adolescence with without the internet, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, sort of, you know, being like half Chinese and half white and all of that and never really like I didn't know that like that was like like in Hawaii, there's like a term, you know, like, oh, there's Hapa kids and like it's like a whole thing. And there's like people who kind of look like me and it's like, oh, this is fucking wild. Well, but I like, didn't know that. Right. And it, but it's like with the Internet, you can. Right. Like it's the same thing. It's like, oh, man, there's dudes who like fucking obsess about m65s you know and you can like talk to them all day about this shit and it's the same thing and so it's like oh man if we finally like if four pins was like the way we can all just like make fun of ourselves right then it's like yeah it's a natural extension to sort of just like start talking about like all of our insecurities especially when like shout out to dr yates she's the one who told me to like double down on the blog and go to like new york because i remember Yep, I was like in a therapy session. I was like, I don't know, Dr. Yates. Like, there's this like trade show. I printed out these like really bogus Vista print <laughs> business cards. It looks everyone fake. else did. <laughs> um, I'm talking to these people I've never met. They're on the internet. Like, I how do I tell people where I'm going? And like, you know, because this is like before you would just meet people off the internet. Yeah. Like. You know, like explaining to people who like loved ones and friends, like, yeah, I'm going to go to New York. Like, cool. For what? You're, you know, like vacation. Right. And I'm like, kind of. But I'm going to this trade show because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to write about it and take photos with this camera I just bought. And I'm going to meet people I've only talked to on email about our legacy. <laughs> and it's like, what? You know, and so she but, yo, Dr. Yates was like, you got to do it, man. You know, and she and and that's i met you guys i started writing more like i met all these people just going to capsule and yeah i think i think knowing that knowing that that uh, like my involvement in any of this sort of comes that came from like a bit of a dark place yeah you can't not maybe use that platform i think subconsciously i was like yeah i gotta like say something (laughs) yeah you know yeah so would there's we don't have that much time left, yeah, but I yeah. want to ask you a couple other questions. So the first yeah. one is, would you say that you are like the Patch Adams of menswear? Uh, like the doctor? Yeah. Like- and like, either, you know, your humor <clears throat> basically validates everyone and, and lets people feel better by, you know, helping people break out a little bit more of their shell. Not that you're Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think because the first people I met in menswear were also like super gregarious and welcoming, like even the quote unquote the old guard or like, you know, people that didn't have to be nice to me were really nice to me, and even some of the designers I met I've met have been really nice. Yeah, I think being gregarious and and nice, yeah, you can say a lot more and you can be a lot more honest. But yeah, I mean, probably I think I think. 
being an outsider, like not living in New York, I think like having naturally awkward interactions with fashion people and proving that it's all still real and still just people. Yeah, I think it, it's it disarms people and like lets you in. But yeah, I think also just not living there lets gives me like a false sense of confidence because I don't have to see people every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the internet, man. You yeah. know, this guy just had like a giant comment forum all to my own. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the last thing that I wanted to ask you is is that so like I feel that in a lot of ways. Like your writing style and your communication style and openness has really, I think, like been challenging to not just people in menswear, but I think like how people communicate about themselves on the internet. And, you know, I think you kind of helped usher in a different type of forum within menswear. Like what sort of other things would you like to see like come across? You know, do you think... Is it more, you know, like true honesty in, in menswear advertising? Is there, you know, m- more integrity? I mean, what what sort of things like that? And you can you can vent all you want, but I'm just oh. curious. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I just think that there needs to be a lot less pretension overall. I mean, I think like that's what was like, for, and that that will be my, you know, four pins was like jokingly pretensions, right? Like I, you know, and I think like. I don't know. You know, I mean, when you hear things, people don't really like like New York Fashion Week men's or whatever. Yeah, you know? it's not doing it's very well. It's kind of boring or whatever. But you hear, you know, people, you know, I mean, if you've only been working in the industry like under five years, like, I mean, how are you bored? I, You know, I just don't. It no, seems odd that like the focus is always it's sort of like being over things. Right. Like, yeah. You know, you constantly hear people say, like, well, you don't even have to go to a fashion show anymore. If you're, like, a real writer, you'll probably look at the images anyway, right? And, like, well, then why are you there? You know, and I think, like, the the response needs to be to, like, look for new designers, you know, and really push them. You know, even if maybe you, you know, I, I think it's it's tough to get paid to do it, you know, to push young designers and stuff. But, you yeah. know, I think, like, anytime there's, like, any sort of industry, no matter how small it is, gets accused of being stagnant or feels stagnant. It's generally there's like a lack of diversity, you know? And I think when you look around, I think the saddest thing about, quote unquote, how democratizing the internet and hashtag menswear and four pins and that voice or that vein uh, that came from it uh, was, it didn't, you know, how did we not find any more writers of color at all? You know, and or and I'm sure we have, and I'm not saying that there aren't any, but when no, but you look at the ratios of of sort of you know the bylines in menswear or fashion, really in general, overarching, I don't think you know it breaks down at all. Um, it's just sort of disappointing, you know. And I think even with just looking at new designers, you know, and who you go for, or you know what agencies people work with, or like whatever, you know, I don't know why. You know, for me, like the the Madbury Club, I don't understand why like the CFDA doesn't just give them a bucket of money to do something during Men's Week. Like those guys are insane. I feel like they could do a ton of stuff uh, that would be really cool. Yeah. You know, and you know, sponsoring young designers and but it's also on the press. You know, and I it's think true. there's a, 
you know, and I think there's a lot of it, you know, I think what menswear, like the hashtag or whatever, and like the internet is brought is like youth, which is always good, like a, a real injection of youth in the writing staffs, and maybe even editorial staffs and, and stylists. But I think it could be more diverse. And I think it could be, it could benefit from a little bit of age. You know, I'm that's a that's self serving, I think, being I'm on the older end of I guess menswear. Well, I mean, journal. yeah, maybe like more guidance. I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but I mean, I think perspective certainly. Yeah. I think there's like a huge lack of perspective, and yeah. I think that I think what got confused with the internet is like sort of knowledge instead of like personal taste. Yes, you know, I think that it's okay. Like as an editor, you do not have to like sort of um, dress very of the moment to understand what trends are. You know, I think that people often forget that, you know, you look at like really talented stylists or editors or photographers or anyone, you know, quote unquote consultants. And you see that, you know, their style might not ever really reflect any of their clients or what their work that they put out. Mm -hmm. And I think that personal blogging and social media sometimes like blends like like personal and professional life. So it's like. You know, you know, everyone has to get certain looks or, uh, you know, an abstraction of like a particular trend or look in order to prove that they like are they know about it, you know, because there aren't like a lot of other venues to show that, I think. And I think just like, yeah, perspective and and, and looking looking at new talent, you know, I think is. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of boring. You know, I think, and I think it's only boring because, you know, it's hard. It, it takes a lot of work to, like, find a new designer that doesn't have, like, a strong media presence or is easy to find on the internet. That's know? true. But that was sort of, like, the heart of what made every, got everyone jobs in the first place. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was just, like, this obsessive, nerdy, like, combing through of, like, sites you are kind of getting translated through Google Translate, you know, like. Yeah, trying to find where the I cool think, thing was in Japan. Yeah, like the nerdiness that a lot of these sites celebrate, like, is gone, you know? And I think it's it's been replaced with sort of like this, well, I've already done that, and, you know, now I'm, it, you know, I'm above all of that. Like, above, like, looking and digging for a new brand. Yeah. You know? Like, I always thought, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, people in the industry I thought would, like, pop off and should have, like, be writing all of the time, you know? It's like, Pete Anderson, how is Pete Anderson just not writing, like, great guides on, like, weird Japanese brands for people who have regular lives. You know? <laughs> yeah. Pete Anderson is a writer from Style Forum, by the way. He and he's also first, a writer on uh, Put This writing gig. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Pete but Anderson I, rules. Yeah, that was a huge tangent. No, it was... It was I feel like I'm a terrible podcast guest. Cause first off, no, no, you're a great podcast guest because <laughs> the biggest thing is you speak your mind and you're not trying to... I don't know. It didn't... It's good. You're a good guy. <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you were on is there is there any other stuff you want to add you want to you want to plug yourself are you working on anything I mean, right now I, uh no not really i mean i probably should be uh you can always like follow me on twitter at gblyss which is also the why it is that getting be like you stole something because i didn't think like twitter was going to be a thing at gibbles yeah, and now I just like the fact that I have an unpronounceable name, so I'll never change it. 
I'll, but I'll, shout out to people who changed their Twitter names to their real names. I know you're doing some. That was me. So. I went Congrats. from SW yep. typewriters. Yeah, that's to... how I know. <laughs> yeah. If Lawrence ever changes that shit to like what Lawrence A. Schlossman, like he's he dream sold some fucking wild, you know. I think he still squats his full name. Does he? I think See? so. He's got he's got plans. Yeah. Twitter's gonna be big. No, but yeah, shout out to anyone who's has their OG menswear names still. Respect. You dorks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was good. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Anytime. All right, man. I'll see you. All right. Have a good one. You've been listening to Blamo, a podcast with an exclamation point. If you like what you heard, leave me a review on iTunes. If you want to find me elsewhere on the web, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast. Or you can email at blamopodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Thanks again. See you next week.